0: Captain's Log, Stardate 75286.9 We've been ordered to Starfleet Command concerning an errand of great importance. Meanwhile, the USS Vigilant is undergoing routine maintenance and numerous upgrades as a proactive measure to mitigate any rogue elements we may come across. This episode of These are the Voyages is brought to you by little mermaids, and other assorted tchotchkes. Well, hey, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of These Are The Voyages. I'm the captain, Captain Chase McKinney, and joining me for, yet again, another literary trick, Lieutenant Commander David. What's up, dude? Welcome back. Glad we're talking about a book once again.
1: Yeah, it's been a little while. I I got to thinking about that the last time we were, uh, I guess, recorded for Lower Decks, the final finale of Lower Decks. And uh, I know we, or no, it was two year anniversary, whatever, one of the two. I do remember uh, bringing up books and I was like, yeah, yeah, this was like a really, really great book <laughs> from like six months ago or something.
0: <laughs> right, right. Yeah, and uh, you know we talked about that, and um, even whenever I was talking with um, with Katie, um, who was also on that episode too, we were you know talking about like what we liked about the episodes and you know why people listen that sort of thing, and um, Katie had said like you know I really like the books, Um, like the book discussions that you guys do, Um, so we at least have one person, dude, one at least one person that actually enjoys us reading books and talking about it. Solid yeah I, I love it so thanks Katie you're gonna keep us going just by that one stinking little comment you made appreciate it appreciate it um but yeah like the the last one we did was um what was that was that shadows have offended I
1: right? believe yeah pretty sure that's the last one that the, the wharf but not wharf book
0: yeah the wharf but not quite wharf enough book yeah
1: yeah, not quite warf
0: enough. There we go. No, not quite warf enough. Especially with him being on the cover. I think we we've made that comment, yeah, at least five times by now since we recorded that on yep. on various episodes. And yeah, it's I don't get like why some cover art is chosen over others. I mean, this could have that could have easily been someone else entirely on the cover. Yep. But hey, here we are. And we'll be talking about another book today. If you saw the title of this episode, then you'll know that we're going to be talking about Rogue Elements, which is the third Star Trek Picard series book with Chris Rios on the cover of it. But before we get to that, before we talk about the book, the contents, and just our thoughts and review of it, how you been doing, man? What's been going on in your world?
1: Uh, Well... Uh, you know, I, I've I've been fine. Um, uh, I guess biggest thing is just uh, trying to sort of keep keep brain busy lately. Uh, getting into fall, so been trying to uh, arrange a couple of like uh, you know backpacking trips, stuff like that. I'm I'm a big in, enjoyer of the fall. Uh, hmm. Not a pumpkin spice variety of, of fall <laughs> likers, but uh, <laughs> but. <laughs> but I, I like the somewhat colder weather, um, before it hits winter. But, uh, yeah, I've been trying to think a little bit about that and, um, yeah, you know, just pretty much pretty standard things, you know, nothing, nothing too major.
0: I gotcha. I gotcha. Yeah, man. Um, I think I I might've mentioned it once. I think I get like one pumpkin spice a year and that's about it. Um, yeah, that, that's about. I used to be a, a, a habitual offender of it, but then like my midsection started like going out a little more. I'm <laughs> yeah, like, maybe yeah, I should, yeah. maybe I should cut out on this stuff, um, among other things. I mean, it wasn't the, the meat lover pizza by any means that did that. Oh,
1: oh, that's that's that, that's the uh, diet Pepsi quandary.
0: There we go. You know, as long
1: <laughs> as you drink a diet Pepsi, it doesn't matter what else is going. There. <laughs> I'll have a yeah, large Big
0: Mac. A small a small fry and a small diet coke. I'm trying to lose yeah. weight. Yeah,
1: exactly. <laughs> yeah, me, me and my brother were out at um, one of the local restaurants here where I live and they're also a brewery and they make their own beer and so forth. And they, they had some pumpkin beer. And I stay away from that stuff and he was like, Oh yeah, I'll try that. And it was disgusting. <laughs> so, it, so pumpkins can suck it. <laughs> And you know what? I'll even say this, and you can tweet it at not Eric's Twitter to complain about it. Yeah, yeah. I don't like pumpkin pie. What? I've never liked pumpkin pie. I, it's it's like eating baby food. It's, wow. It's the consistency of the filling. I don't like it. Never huh.
0: liked it. Okay. Well, let me ask you this: If you don't like pumpkin, do you like pecan pie?
1: Well, pecan pie is good because it's got some some you know some texture of pecans. <laughs> okay all right. yeah I, I I like that that's good
0: okay all it's right not, it's, not,
1: it's not the same
0: man you know which which pie I've never I think I might have had accidentally thinking it was um, it was pie it was um, oh my goodness Chase why did you bring it up if you can't remember the name of it um, it's like something milk pie does that sound familiar it looks like a it looks like a pumpkin pie but it's not I'm not sure anyways my my um, my in-laws totally love it and I, I can't believe this has escaped me right now I, I had it on the tip of my tongue uh,
1: is it something like trace leches or something like that
0: no 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 it's not trace leches I mean I, I mean that's that's okay I like that but, but okay um, I'll think of it after we record and I'll tell yeah, you exactly yeah I and mean, I'll text you and and I'll update <laughs> Twitter later you know that sort of thing yeah
1: you've pretty much left everybody it's like why is it just like milk and a pie crust?
0: <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what it is. It's cereal. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> milk pie, you know,
0: the famous milk pie. <laughs> Man, what is that called? I don't know. I, whatever. It don't matter. I'll think of it later and maybe I'll just cut this out entirely. Um, there's the, no the, point. The in new even...
1: poll on Twitter is, is favorite pie. What's, you, oh, what's <laughs> your favorite you, pie? Once you, it, once you figure it out, you know.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. What is your favorite pie? Since we're talking about it,
1: uh, well, so as as an all around pie, it's cherry pie. But a seasonal pie is um, is peach pie. But it has to be with a very specific peach, and i kind of forget the name of the peach but they're down at a local ish orchard so i, know I, can, I can dig it I, th- I think they're called like maybe new haven peaches or something like that I, that could be wrong
0: okay. but it's a
1: very specific peach okay cher- cherry pie is uh is very good
0: okay cool we uh um oh, what was it uh, years and years ago, when I was going to be an area director at summer camp, uh, we had to go to this thing called National Camp School. It was part of um, the accreditation process for a um, Boy Scout summer camp thing. And um, I lived in Michigan at the time. And me and some other fellow camp staffers for that summer, we drove down to um, Osceola, Missouri, and, at, and we stayed at this uh, camp for a week. where we did like our respective trainings. Mine was for outdoor skills and during the breaks we would have like during the day like we would hop in someone's car and we would go into this local town and dude i haven't found a place anywhere else that makes as good of if not better a peach float this peach float was the com, dude like it was so good have you ever had a peach float just out of curiosity had a
1: peach float huh? oh my
0: gosh it was like this so, like, the thing that they used in it was, like, this... Um, it's, like, a peach soda, and then there were, like, okay. peaches, and then, of course, like, some ice cream something or another in there. And, oh, my gosh, it was so good. Now, um, uh, Chick-fil-A, they, like, from time to time, they make these pe- peach milkshakes, and... Oh, I've heard of that, yeah. I love those. Those are good. Now, now that, I think, is a good contender between... You know, between that and the pumpkin spice latte, which one's going to make your midsection grow more? I'm just saying. <laughs> so for any of the yeah, ladies so watching, overly
1: overly hev- heavy dairy drinks, yes,
0: yes, indeed, <laughs> indeed. But anyway, for me, like um, I can I can put back a cherry pie any day of the week. I love cherry pies so much. Um, and for me, it's like a, it's a toss up between your favorite, the pumpkin pie, and a, a pecan pie, or depending on where you hail from it's either pecan 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 whatever yeah (laughs) so yeah tis the season we're 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 getting closer and closer to the holiday season you know thanksgiving and christmas and everything else that people celebrate this time of year and uh, those pies will be um popping up so watch out now watch out so cool cool yeah we've i haven't really been doing too much just coming off of um fall break uh, with school, um, I was trying so hard to work on my my dissertation, and it just it didn't happen. It didn't happen. I got like way too discouraged, like with some of the notes I got back. And um, I mean, I'll get it done, but I mean, when you, when the the motivation just isn't there, it's not there. So it's just not going to uh, happen. Yeah. Yep. But yeah, I'm going back, and we'll be teaching again here pretty soon in the back half of the semester. And um, I think I'm ready. I think I'm ready for you know, the downward, the downward part of the hill of the semester to to actually happen. Um, and, and call it good. I mean, I was looking at the schedule and I'm like, man, I have this last week of October, all of November and the first week of December. And that's it. And I'm done. Yeah. It's wow. crazy. So anyway, well enough about peaches and pies and, uh, and other stuff um, as, as I was saying we have um, we have a little book review we've been doing these book reviews for close to a year now I want to say um, yeah a variety of things and um, we have this one which I believe came out what was this was this July or August I can't remember off the top of my head I think yeah this I think this one came out in, yeah this one came out in August yeah end of August I want to say and, um, like I said, this is the third book in the Star Trek Picard series. And, um, we have, uh, we have several more that are going to be coming out, um, you know, to finish off the year and going into 2022, depending on when you're listening to this. And, um, the, in our conversations, like when I, when I think specifically about like the first two Picard series books, I think the one that we've enjoyed the most, if I'm not mistaken, has been Dark Veil, vale, the second one, with uh, Riker's ship. Is that right?
1: Uh, y- Yes. Yes, I, b- I believe so. You know, the funny thing, I don't really remember the first one all that all that much. Uh, and my recollection of the second one's even <laughs> diminishing as well, to be sure. honest. Sure. But I seem to remember enjoying that, though.
0: Yeah, Last Best Hope, that came out... What was that i want to say it was like a. it was like early twenty twenty it was um it was like i want to say like february march time frame when it came out um so it came out right around the time that uh season one of Picard ended and um yeah. then we had and then we had uh about a year later we had uh you know this year earlier this year we had um the dark veil vale, which was um the the second book in the series with Riker troy um, Thaddeus and uh, the, the folks on the USS Titan exploring a little thingamajig in um, a different galaxy, more or less, or from a different galaxy. And yep. um, anyway, I'm looking forward to the discussion that we have today. So this book was written by uh, John Jackson Miller, and I can't remember off the top of my head anything else that I've read from him. Um, not immediately, but you were, you were mentioning pre-show something, um, kind of interesting that I didn't know about. I'm wondering if you'd mind just resharing that for the listeners.
1: Oh yeah. Well, when I was, um, when I was kind of like pulling up reminders basically, uh, for myself because normally when I read, read these books, I'll, you know, open like a little note in my phone and uh, write some general stuff down but then I also like to go on the internet and just pull up random stuff but um, I did see one thing where the, where the writer who uh, coincidentally has actually done some Star Wars stuff Okay, did, very good. Uh, some, I, I believe it was Knights of the Old Republic comic series uh, and then a couple of other like comic related things but anyway uh, he had basically called this his uh, lockdown book so his his pandemic book and my, my comment was, yeah, no bleep.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you don't <laughs> say.
1: Yeah, it actually looks like Star Trek wise. He does um, pocket books. Whatever a pocket book means, because there there are a lot of Star Trek pocket books. So, I'm
0: I'm not a hundred percent sure if this is what qualifies it as a pocketbook but all the pocketbooks I've ever seen David have been like the smaller ones right okay. like these smaller like handheld they can probably fit in your back pocket kind of books um, and don't judge me for this oh wait hold on so this is weird um, so so I guess, so Pocket Books is just a publisher. Um, But like... Is that what you're saying? Well, no,
1: the the only reason I say that is like... On on a couple of these, so like... Star Trek, Titan. And then it's like a story apparently within it. Absent enemies. So like he did like, what, a chapter in this? I don't know how the book went. Star Trek The Next Generation. Takedown. Hmm. It's like a... I don't know... I mean, what, what, what exactly are we doing? Are we just have like people writing s- s- little, little itty bitty chapters. <laughs> I don't know. It's kind of interesting, but he, yeah. I mean, he's had some Star Trek content though.
0: Yeah. He wrote, um, let's see. Star Trek, Titan, absent enemies, uh, Star Trek, Prey, hell's heart, the Jackal's trick, the hall of heroes. Um, Star Trek Discovery, The Enterprise War, which came out in 2019. And then, of course, the book we're reviewing today, uh, Rogue Elements. Hmm. Hmm. Oh, and he did a little Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull uh, Dark Horse comic back in 2008. How about that?
1: There you
0: go. Interesting. All right. Oh, it looks like he wrote um, a book that you probably enjoy the heck out of. Star Wars Canto Bite, The Ride. We all know how much you love uh, Star Wars: Las Vegas.
1: Yeah, that was a that was a barn burner right there, if I've ever read one.
0: <laughs> but here's the thing, okay? So just talking like um, overarching, and and by the way, I know we're we're just kind of talking about like some facts and whatever right now, but um, you had mentioned on your show about uh, one of the books that you reviewed about how it was written, um, and how it kind of read. And with this one, there are 71 chapters, 71 chapters in this book, 404 pages, by the way, uh, which I think yeah, is ha- like 15, 16 some odd hours on audiobook, If I'm not mistaken.
1: Yeah. How many times did you, did you enjoy hearing La, La Sirena in space, La Serena in space, in spit, spit. <laughs> every chapter
0: <laughs> yeah I got I got sick of that real Ugh. quick by the way yeah this was this was 71 um, 71 chapters and the chapters aren't particularly long at all it's,
1: it, yeah, it's kind of written like a comic book I, if I remember correctly oh that that book that I might have been complaining about was... It was More the second High Republic
0: books. It was the second one, whatever that one was. Dark Rising or something like that. Uh, the Rising Storm, sorry.
1: Rising Storm. That's yeah, because the author was a comic book writer. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, and that had many, many chapters from PO di- different POVs of the same event, which mm-hmm. I totally love, and by love I mean hate.
0: <laughs> well, okay, so that's the thing that okay so like with like changing point of views um i don't know if you ever read it or um how many of our listeners have have read it but um the divergent series have you did you ever read that by chance no uh -uh. okay so i loved absolutely loved divergent the first book in the series fantastic book certainly way better than the movie um second one um was it insurgent i believe. It was it was it wasn't anywhere near as good as the original and that's usually what happens but like the third one oh my gosh like here's what happens and this isn't really spoiling anything but the way that the author structured the third book was you're changing point of views every other like every other chapter so it's like main, main character a for chapter like odd numbered chapters and main character b for the even number chapters and it's just annoying how it happened. and uh, But yeah, like constantly hearing La Serena in space and whatever, it gets real old real quick. So before we go any further, though, uh, before we actually start really talking about content, this is your spoiler warning. We're going to be spoiling some stuff, but not hopefully not too heavily because we still want you to go read it and enjoy it. But um, just consider this your, your point of no return. If you haven't read it or listened to it, Hit the pause button come back to it or just keep listening if you don't really care that's cool too i don't whatever floats your boat um okay so this the the chapter one part one chapter one right um starts out um i'm actually back up historians note that says the events in this story begin in 2391 four years after the death of the romulan star and one year right after the events um, aboard the USS Ibn Majid that resulted in Cristobal Rios' leaving Starfleet. So 2391, which is also eight years before season one of Star Trek Picard. So just to kind of put that in in, um, in perspective. So we, we get like an origin story, essentially, of how he comes about... Um, leaving Starfleet more or less and coming upon the this new ship, this freighter of his, which he later names, which we, we find out. Um, right. Does this work for you? Like, this, this origin story of sorts for him? Or does it seem like, I don't know, does, does it just not work?
1: Oh, uh, well... Um I, I will say this as sort of a general statement. This is a. It felt a little bit more uh, real-world look at somebody who is very down on their luck. Um. And doesn't really. Doesn't really have many wins. Um. I think I I think it I think it's perfectly fine to have an origin story for Rios. He's kind of the Cassian Andor of uh of Star Trek. Um and I like the I actually like the character a lot more after reading the book. I think the only problem that I have when we talk about this being an origin story is it winds up being so overly indulgent in like next gen and Picard lore that it doesn't really wind up being a true. Oh, and by the way, Krista Bald. Mm-hmm. That's his. I never. I, did we. I don't know. Maybe I just missed that in the show. I mean, Chris Rios. I always remember that, but the whole name didn't realize I. And I have to assume that that's something more related to, you know, the way they set up his heritage and everything like that, but I, I've never heard that name before. I was like, Cristobald, is that his real name? Okay, fine. But anyway, it doesn't really seem like um, it centers enough around him. Uh, and I'm not taking any shots at any of the supporting cast because I'm cool with most of them, but. why we had to tie it into everything to do with Picard I mean I know it's like oh Picard you know book oh, but it's a Rios book like just make it a Rios book you know what I mean small complaint um, but yeah I mean just as you f- to answer your question for an origin am I cool with a, a Rios origin yeah is this necessarily a full Rios origin story kind of
0: kind of, <laughs> kind of yeah of. yeah so we have we have um, since you mentioned it, we have quite a few. Um, I don't know, legacy ish characters making appearances, yeah. right? Um, like from the of the Klingon variety, of the villain of the week variety, type yep. of thing in this story. Um, so, uh, one of them being Kivas Fajo. Uh, who was played by um, Saul Rubinek in the episode yep. "The Most Toys"? Uh, brilliant episode. It's a very, very uh, popular, very famous uh, Data story. Uh, where yeah, he he wasn't stolen. He wasn't,
1: uh, th- th- this is some lore that I do know about that. He wasn't originally supposed to play that character.
0: No, he wasn't. He was brought in like one day, two days, something yeah. like that before, um, like they were actually going to film his parts. Yeah, the the original guy, can't remember who it was, but yeah, he was let go, very very last minute, yeah. in the production calendar, production schedule. So yeah, uh, but but yes, yeah, um, we have Kivas Fajo who um, who comes back, uh, in a very interesting ish kind of way, uh, for this yeah. story, I suppose, and a lot of Klingons. I was surprised how many Klingons were in this stinking story.
1: Uh yeah, yeah. Uh there there some of the uh some of my favorite parts actually happened with our Klingon in quotation characters. Yes. Our our Klingon approximations.
0: <laughs> 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 <laughs>
1: yeah, some of them some of them were very interesting and they and obviously from an overarching theme this ties into heavily under, uh, undiscovered country. Yes. So very, very much uh, kind of, um, and again, like I, I, I wrote this down a few times in my notes. Like sometimes I feel like this this book is such an indulgence, uh, 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 maybe an overindulgence in Star Trek lore, because again, we're supposed to set up the this backstory, but we have Picard side characters, and now we're dealing with undiscovered country uh, wrap up. Basically,
0: base uh, uh, yeah, that's that's a pretty pro- approximation. Yes, yeah. yeah.
1: So and I, I, th- I think I think it 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 seems like a little bit more grandiose than what could have or should have been going on for this book. But again, I, I mean, I, I don't I don't really hate the undiscovered country tie-in. Completely, it just it seemed a little bit grandiose for this book. Maybe.
0: Yeah, it, it seemed like at times, like the way that the parts of that story were were in like it felt like at times like it made sense but other times it felt very much shoehorned in i don't know did did you feel the same way
1: yeah well yeah Uh, i mean i thought a lot of things felt a little shoehorned to be honest with you um the 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 planning the the planning of a lot of this seemed very james bond villain-esque and i can say I can tie it because I did recently watch the new James Bond movie, sure. so I'm full of I'm full of that. But um, I mean, at, at its heart, you have you have a guy who has been discharged, I guess, from Starfleet due to the tie-in from the Picard series, where his captain basically murders two s- synthetic life forms uh, uh, under a what it, what was it, black flag. Mm-hmm. Was that the initiative or something? And then he kills himself. And then for some reason, we're going to blame Rios and everybody hates him, which to be honest with you was one of my least favorite cover-up stories because it didn't make any sense to me. We're just going to pin it on, pin it on the captain who did it and he, he committed suicide. Just leave it there. Yeah. You know, but anyway, so Rios is out there having a bad time getting beat up all the time And uh, yeah, he kind of just happens on a situation to get himself a ship where we meet old friends from the original series, Mm -hmm. the sweet 1920s Chicago gangsters, the Mm E.I.O. Yes. (laughs) See? (laughs) Stop meddling our business, see? (laughs) (laughs) We're using guns in space.
0: You know when i was when i was um listening to this um i think i mean like looking back on it now um i, I was kind of like now i'm kind of thinking about what mike mcmahon was saying about um star trek lower decks during star trek day of like um yeah we've put so much star trek into star trek like there's there's no way that we can star trek more than we've star Trek, type of thing yeah and this book has so much star trek in star trek like it's it's it would make it, it would embarrass uh, Mike McMahon with how little Star Trek he has in his Star Trek show
1: yeah it's one of those hold my beer moments but I will say uh, the the ledger character I actually did wind up liking her a lot
0: okay very cool and,
1: and tor- towards the end I mean she was you know kind of annoying because she's super iocean ocean and kind of you know steal stuff essentially but yeah. you know she she does she, I feel like she redeems herself towards the end, so I kind of liked her her development. Very cool, very cool.
0: So with, with the way that this starts out, okay, so um, we, we, we essentially go through um, a process of how uh, Rios gets the La Serena and um, deals that he has to make, um, stuff that he has to put down, to like zip around and kind of create a new path for himself, essentially, which I liked. I mean, I didn't, I didn't mind that part of the story. There, um, as we move along, uh, we also um, run into a Nausicaan, if I'm not mm-hmm. mistaken. And th- just the, so again, like the way that I do this, and I know, I think you just mainly listen just to the audiobook, but like I, I pop back and forth between the book and the audiobook depending on what I'm doing. The way that Robert Petkoff, who again narrates this book, does the Nausicaan, loved it, but you're going to have to help me on this one, dude. Um, in um, the book you gave me, A New Dawn, uh, if I'm remembering the right book, there's this um, villainous character who um, ultimately like throws his henchmen into like a vat of like acid, basically because he's not meeting like the um, production schedule or something like that. Um, I want to say it's like something Hess, and I, I might be wrong on that. Um, is that ringing any bells at all?
1: Uh, I'll be honest, I, I haven't read that uh, recently enough to really comment.
0: <laughs> okay, well anyways, the, the character in, in that book Um, just reminded me so much of the Nausicaan and not just the Nausicaan but just a few of the other characters kind of like coming together kind of in tandem with like the characterizations so like that's what was like um, on my mind as I'm in like those different parts of the story is like this big old bad Star Wars character like I listened to this audiobook of so by the way it's okay to like Star Trek and Star Wars I'm here to tell you right now yeah sure uh, sure it is. It, it's actually not. If, there can, if, only, there can
1: it, only be one.
0: Mm, all right, who Highlander.
1: Wants, who wants to live forever?
0: <laughs> all right, Highlander. Whatever you say. But, um, so we're 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 moseying around. We're we're connecting with these um, air quotes Klingons, and that'll make sense once you read the book. Uh, we're we're going buzzing around and we're we're chasing something. This was like very much like this was almost Indiana Jones meets James Bond meets something else for for a book.
1: Yeah, it was a lot of fetch questing.
0: It was, which uh, we know Eric loves a good fetch quest.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I I think. I think one of the things, without being terribly spoilery, but was a pretty central part of this was and how you tie in all the characters is, um, uh, what did they call them? Uh, now that I say it, the basically the the hollow projections. What did they? What was it, its official name? Its art form name? Um.
0: Yes. Uh, actualities. Yes. Yes, the actualities. Okay.
1: They're basically just fancy moving hollows, but like ca- captured points in time. And, you know, the, the, the first one that they see in, in Fajo's uh, little warehouse was of um, Tapal. And we learn about Parch, who's, uh, you know, an, an artist, unknown artist who created all these, and they're very valuable. Well, realistically, we figure out that, you know, Rios has one, not, I mean, it's something he found, and that becomes kind of a linchpin in a lot of our, a lot of our story, uh, so to speak, and and shows everybody's true colors, and and yada, yada, yada. But um, as an art form, though, I did find it kind of interesting how, how they describe these, where... If you move in certain ways, you can see certain details. Mm-hmm. Um, in the Tapal there was like writing in her eyelashes and stuff. Uh, I kind of thought that was that was kind of a neat one. And then centrally, uh, the tie into undiscovered country becomes that Rios's actuality is uh, General Chang uh, seeing the uh, Moon of Praxis, uh, Praxis blow up. Which mm-hmm. then gave rise to his plan with uh, what was it, Carthright, the Romulan, and
0: right with uh, with Kittimer and and everything yeah. like that. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. So that gave rise to uh, to that whole plan. So I thought that was kind of a, that was that was, I thought it was an interesting tie-in.
0: I really en- enjoyed. Um, I I think I really enjoyed having um, uh, Chang, and uh, and even. Uh, Gorkin Gorkon in um, there was a point in the story where I I was getting a little concerned they were going to start overusing the characters but um, fortunately like they got to me they got to that point and then they just let off the gas which I really appreciated
1: I actually think they did overuse them oh really um, I, I guess j- just briefly it, it's a holodeck program our, the original captain of the freighter, uh, Varagon? Ver- mm hmm. Or Varingon. Varingon. Varingon, yeah. I can't roll the R like Rios does, sorry. Uh, but he, he had wrote his own Stovacor where everybody liked him. <laughs> He's like, yeah, that, that Varingon's a really cool guy. You know. Uh Kalis is behind the bar and everything, you know, oh yeah mm-hmm. Vringon he's like our best buddy, are you his buddy? Cool, we can all be buddies, but I do have to say, I really did like the Gorkon character because Rios eventually kind of goes to him sort of with questions, and as he's trying to ask questions about Vaenon and the the sort of the puzzle box that contains the actuality, he winds up, I don't know if it's the program or if it's just something he sees in it, but effectively trying to answer questions about his own reality. And it led to probably my favorite thing of all time. You should do a great deed because you should always do great deeds. The wise words of Holodeck Kalas. <laughs> I just thought that was, that was, I, I really enjoyed that. He just, you should do a great deed. You should just always do great deeds. What are you talking about? This <laughs> is so simple, but it was it's it's very very Klingon. It just very it made on, me yeah. laugh when when uh, when they said that. The only part that I didn't like is that at the end of the book, which was about five chapters too long, um, 100%. legitimately you could have whacked the the last like four or so chapters off. Mm-hmm. As soon as Rios is like he does his yes and moment. Yeah, in the book and it just kept going and I didn't like that at all but he brings a Verengon to Stovacor and adds him to the program I didn't particularly need that or like that I didn't right. get it right. personally that's where I thought it overdid it
0: so here's, here's the thing that I was getting confused on and I don't know if it was just like when I was listening to the audiobook book I, I distinctly remember I was listening to the audiobook in this particular section which like made the rest of the book I think really confusing for me but um the way that it was pronounced in the audiobook it said um Ferengon at least that's how I heard it
1: oh so, well I, you could be very right because the, the the whole thing was is his name did mean Ferengi in, and that's why I was confused
0: Klingon. and that's was, why I was confused
1: yeah, and it, I, I, if I remember correctly, I, I don't think that that was his given name. I think that was a name that was chose later because his father was, well, his father was a general who fought with Chang. And, of course, being that they didn't win, he was disgraced. So his son then was disgraced as well. But, yeah, his name did mean Ferengon. It could have been Ferengon. I, I just I, I thought I heard a V. But so the
0: reason I was confused is, like, um, like they were like yeah, they they talk about like Ferengi and like that Ferengon means Ferengi. Yeah. And I'm thinking, like, as I'm listening to this and even like read like reading it, like going back and forth, I was just like so confused. So maybe I just need to do it again. Um but it was just like, wait, is this is this character half Klingon half Ferengi? Like it, it was just like I, I d I don't know, maybe I'm like high or something. I'm not. But <laughs> It, it was just confusing the snot out of me, dude, which I think really yeah. directly impacted my ability to enjoy and make sense of the story from like that point onward.
1: Well, I mean, that character was such a small part of things, really, and mm-hmm. it just kind of got it got made into a bigger, like a bigger deal. Uh, but yeah, I could I could see how that would get confusing.
0: Um, but like when it, so when, when rios is like working on this little puzzle riddle sudoku crossword puzzle thing the
1: fifth element
0: yes yeah we have we Earth, the fifth element fire, makes water you are with our fifth powers element. combined we are captain planet
1: <laughs> multipass <laughs>
0: Yeah, that I was. So I was thinking of Captain Planet and the Fifth Element. Whenever we were <laughs> getting to like this part in the story, I will say that I really did enjoy. I, I I I don't know why I liked it so much, but I just remember, like, just being wide-eyed and really really digging it when they were talking about like the elements, what the different planets represented, um, back in the day, um, like which which solar entity which solar bo- like body represented which element and stuff like that like very um what would that be would that be uh greek or roman i think it'll be more roman it doesn't uh, matter
1: uh, yeah i mean they, they both had their thing but it, it got sciency and philosophical chase i mean it, it for, we've been watching too much lower decks
0: absolutely <laughs> absolutely uh but i mean that that was a standout moment for me in the book i mean that's that's probably closer to like the middle to back half of, of the story for the most part. Yes,
1: absolutely. The the, the front half of the book, um, the front, the front part of the book kind of did drag for me a bit because it was basically just I stuff. Um, you know, working through effectively ledgers kind of side business and then, sort of discovering the 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 boss, so to speak, um, you know, discovering Ledger's side business where they were making bootleg Klingon blood wine with, like, weird creatures and a mashy machine, mm-hmm. which was really gross, by the way. That seemed like a very strange thing. Um, but... Yeah, the, it 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 drug it drug a bit, but essentially, Le- Ledger and Rios have to team up. That's that's the end result of the first part of the story. They have to team up. They both owe the boss lots of money, uh, and then they have to do another job, and then that hmm. leads to the middle part of the story, which is the middle part of the yeah, it's the the job, the big job in the middle part of the story, right. sort of. Then we meet a couple Ferengi too. Always got to have some Ferengi's in there. Was it was uh, Hain and uh, was it Sovok, who was in, mm-hmm. uh, was it Captain's Holiday? Am I remembering that correctly? Where Captain Goes to Risa, Picard yeah. Goes to Riza. Yeah. If that's really the name of that episode, I'm pretty impressed with myself.
0: I'm Picard Goes to Riza, yeah, Captain's Holiday. Yeah. We uh, were just talking about what um, Eric was going to wear on a Star Trek cruise, so I mean, very good. Oh, that's, yeah, yeah exactly. It's from that episode. That's
1: probably why I remember it. <laughs> yeah, and so, so Sovok comes in, again, another Picard. Uh, tie in um, oh one thing I did want to talk about uh, see if you enjoyed it they did it several times but one of it was most notably very early on when we had this almost chapter unto itself explaining the I oceans again like I kind of felt like we didn't need to do that yeah I, I didn't I didn't get it
0: I didn't I wasn't too crazy about it but I was like oh cool, we're bringing them back. Awesome. Like, that, that, that was it.
1: Well, we don't really do that. I mean, normally when we have these books, there, there's tie-in characters or races that you're just kind of either expected to know or you're expected to go look up. We're not giving you an expert out of, like, the Starfleet manual thing. hmm So just, that, that was a bit weird. And I also thought it was a bit weird when we, we started, like, reading out Picard's fake book
0: yeah I mean, I, I hear what you're saying about like the Iotians and like the, the primer of sorts that we had in the book. Um, but the different excerpts that we had from the basically the autobiography of Jean-Luc Picard, basically. Uh-huh. Um, I actually kind of like that. Um, I thought there, I thought there were some pretty good quotes, um, some pretty good statements in there, but um, I think there was like maybe one or two too long because um, I mean, they were like yeah. kind of like divvied up fairly yeah. evenly throughout the book, but um, they could have like you know e- like eased back just a little bit, I think.
1: yeah, I, th- I mean I think so too. I, I think uh, given this, Rio should have had a lot more to talk to Picard about when he first met him. It's like, hey, hey, you remember that one time when uh, when I I got a letter from you. Look, I got this letter from you and I did stuff with it. And I met Kiva Fajo and I totally kicked his butt. You know, it was great. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Thanks for the advice, dad. I mean, Picard appreciate it.
0: Yeah. Okay. Like, that's the thing. Like, um, uh, you know, we, we know how they meet in the, in the TV show. Yeah. And I mean, even like this with I think it was like the epilogue or the afterward, whatever it was called in the back of the book it kind of starts to talk about like the the ideas i think behind this story for the most part and like knowing that things are going to be coming into play i j- i don't know like why like there there's just a disconnect obviously between like the book and like what happened in that episode of of star trek picard um, you'd yeah. think with someone that has as much hero worship for picard that he would be a little bit more of a fanboy when they met rather than like the standoffish guarded individual that he was in the episode
1: yeah yeah you you would you would think um but again like when you when you talk about tie-ins i think you have to do them like one way and then, really, the other kind of tie-in thing we hit, we had here that you could have utilized for a lot of this information was the constant conversations with Raffy. Mm-hmm. You know, who's what? What do they call it? Snake, snake leaf? Is that what it was? Or what is she? What is she smoking?
0: Oh, um, <laughs> yeah, I think that sounds right. Um, oh my gosh, people listening to Spa- us probably hate us right space now.
1: Space weed.
0: Uh, I I do have to say though,
1: like, as sad as Rafi's whole like story got, I do kind of like that we're able to put that in here though.
0: Yeah, snake leaf.
1: Some, some There you go. I I just think sometimes Star Trek can be almost like the the too perfect at times, and and sometimes it's good to see like wholesome kind of like people who are a little down and out but they're not like turning evil you know rafi's just really sad she's lost her husband and son and she's just smoking dope in her trailer out in the desert because her entire life was turned upside down because she backed the wrong guy effectively rios uh got framed for some reason and you know now he's playing which coincidentally if you're cool about talking about the guy's character He's a little, I mean, if we were, uh, if we just lived in Twitterverse, he'd be a little problematic. <laughs> I mean, old boy is, uh, uh, he's, he's almost like the caricature of the old style, like movie Latin lover. You know, mm. this is like, this is like getting into Fabio's romance tale. Uh, oh,
0: yeah.
1: Would you like some agua diente? <laughs> You must love me.
0: Yes, love me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> Let me do my other accents for you too.
0: <laughs> sounds like the I'm guy. Mi- oh, I'm Mister Hospitality now. You know. <laughs> it sounds like the uh, the guy that does the uh, the the narration, the intros for uh, Jane the Virgin, like that little telenovela. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever heard of it or seen it. <laughs> my wife used to watch that show. Man, oh my gosh. Yes, love me. <laughs>
1: I mean, like I said, I, I like Rios, but like the dude, he's 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 really really messed up. He's he's like a really messed up guy right here, and he, he's got like sort of the elements of Kirk and a little little Riker and just you know, uh, and and a drunk guy. Yes. <laughs> drunk character. Yes. <laughs> Who's reading a lot of philosophy books,
0: which I like. Which I think is yeah. cool. Which yeah. I like. Um, but
1: again I I, I I the point was I do I like the I like showing the flawed character stuff because again sometimes it's, it's too glossy
0: which I th- like that was like something that Gene never wanted with like you know the people on the Enterprise and we saw like after his death obviously um you know, during the the next and towards the end of the next generation, that uh, that that started to change, which is why you started seeing much more conflict, um, more more on the nose, like in Deep Space Nine and into Voyager, and I think we can get into a habit, and, and I and we I, I talked about this with someone um, on one of the recent episodes, that we get in like this this like um, I don't know, like this this pissing contest basically about uh what is true star trek what is real star trek and you know like is it one where it's like butthole drama well maybe not <laughs> is it is it conflict well yeah you have to have conflict to move a story along for crying out loud but who does the con conflict um center around you know gene wanted it to be Around the aliens and us as yeah. the humans in Starfleet being like the ones that can like work through the problem. Um, anyway, where, where was I even going with that? Well, uh, um, but, uh, but like I'm, with Ra- with yeah. Rafi, with Rafi, you know, like or, or um, Rafi with um, with Chris, with anyone, um, Jurati, um, okay. you're seeing that more often, it's much more closer to home. It doesn't make it less Star Trek, it just makes it a different kind of Star Trek, is what I'm really yeah. getting at
1: right and the and I guess kind of tacking on to your point though I do think that you have to be careful about not making it every character
0: right you need to make your characters likable for crying out loud yeah.
1: you can have conflict but it just can't be every every single character just having this near fatalistic conflict mm-hmm. which I think unfortunately is kind of what we got in Picard a bit like at this point I don't want to say disgraced, but kind of disgraced ex Admiral Picard who's been thrown away by Starfleet. Broken Rios that now we know a little bit more about. Uh, Snake Leaf Raffi. Uh, Doctor uh what was her
0: her Gerardi who's
1: Yeah. Who's secretly like the worst person on the ship. <laughs> just the mm-hmm. worst. And then we just like ah, she's fine. Um and then his plethora of uh, uh, hologram, holographic crewmates, uh, which are, you know, is like, huh, would Freud love to take a look at you, buddy, with all of your, <laughs> with all of your multiple personalities? Sure. Uh, but yeah, I, I like some of the, I, I like real people, not necessarily manufactured conflict, but having real problems, real reactions. I do think that there's definitely a place for that. And I, and I kind of liked it here.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, one thing, uh, th- there was like one part of the story that I really wanted to talk about, and I might be making a bigger deal out of it than it actually is, but I wanna talk about all the emergency whatever holograms and the story behind that. Um, we we learn how the different um, emergency fill in the blank hologram came to be in this particular book. It's explained, mm-hmm. and um, this is one something that this is something that I will actually spoil the heck out of um, because I think it's worth talking about. When Rios beams onto the freighter, essentially, there's. Um, there's a program that is uh, essentially wired into the transporter and just the, the the ship systems in general, which scans every single part of him, which I guess that's technically what, it, what a transporter does, sure. but it extrapolates thoughts, it extrapolates cognitions and a whole slew of other things, and it populates these different holograms. Before I say anything else, Tell me, David, what did you think about this aspect of the story?
1: Uh, I, I kind of haven't really even thought about it. How do I like that? Um, I don't know, man. I'm, I'm not. I'm not really sure. Uh, I. I I kind of like the engineering hologram a bit more after this book. Uh, For for me, even even when we first started seeing these in in the series, I thought it was more something you know, kind of like little pieces of Rios, you know, little little bits of him and his personality to maybe maybe help him work stuff out in his own head. So I kind of liked it from that angle. In this one, it's more like he got drunk one night and started playing with stuff. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it, it actually, in a way, made it feel a little bit less because he hates them initially. He doesn't want to use them. And it's not really for anything for him. It's just legitimately like uh, it was out of necessity. And I've got to use them. And he uses them. And if mm-hmm. he gives them a name, he can't delete them. You know, so it—I don't know—it felt a little bit more or less impactful than I felt it originally did in the show, for whatever reason.
0: I—I I had a very mixed, um, mixed experience with this, uh, mixed to negative, I think, with it. I, I can't put my finger on it exactly, but there's just something about like the transporter system just hijacking you basically it oh, is really okay, what it boils so down to. You don't
1: like the body snatching aspect of it.
0: No. That, I mean, that, that's basically <laughs> what it is. Is like they, they were, they, yeah. they hijacked it and I can see that. Um, and like put it in a subroutine basically. Like they took like various, um, aspects of your psyche, like hijacked it and put it into the holosphere. For it to yeah. populate into this thing that your subconscious um, thinks of when it comes to, like, a concierge, an engineer, a navigator, a tactical officer. And um, it just didn't, it didn't sit well with me. Um, now, saying that, I didn't like how it happened, but I like the characters. Okay? Like, I like the, the emergency, insert here, holograms. Um, a lot. I do like them. I, I thought it was like quirky and kind of funny in the show, yeah. and I still liked how they were used in the book. I just don't like how it happened. I don't like the explanation of how they came to be. That's it.
1: Okay. Uh, yeah. I I could I could see where you're where you're coming from there. It it kind of it kind of gives me a little bit of a shade of like future discovery, you know, where technology is just a little bit too far away from what we want it
0: to be (laughs) sure sure
1: yeah I could see that though
0: so anyway I I mean overall I mean it was it was an interesting story for the most part Um, it went by fast but it went by slow at the same time if that makes any sense to our listeners out there I mean, would would you agree with that, or or do you have a different opinion of that, of the story? And its pacing. No, I think
1: yeah, I think that's fairly accurate. Um, There's no way that this should have been a 15-hour audiobook.
0: No, I listen. I think that was a
1: a gross overindulgence. And no offense to Robert Petkoff, he is one of my favorite narrators, but it was like everything about it, it. It's it's like. It's like you sit down at a table and somebody puts like an 18-layered, you know, dark velvet German chocolate cake in front of you with like fudge <laughs> all over it. And you're like, wow, you know, a little sliver of that would be very tasty. And they're like, no, you must eat it all like in uh, Matilda. You know, makes that, <laughs> that one big kid eat the entire cake. That, that's kind of what it feels like. I'm just being force-fed Matilda cake. And uh, and I don't want it. I don't really want that much cake. I just want a small little tiny piece of it with yeah. some ice cream. So
0: now I will say that I did like having Kivas Fajo back. I really did. Um, I, I enjoyed his character in this book. Um, others might disagree, and that's that's fine. Um, but he's just like one of those like annoying kind of meddling just like thorn in your side kind of characters that you just you love to hate type of thing. And I, I just I don't know, I just liked him. Just with the fact that there were um like items to be collected and and you know treasure hunting type of thing. It just to me it made sense to have have Fajo in this. And the fact that it's about twenty ish years, give or take, uh since we last saw him on the next generation in the most toys was great too. And like the explanation of how he's in here was great too.
1: Yeah. I mean, I agree. Um, The only thing I didn't like is that he got another out at the end of the book. I didn't like
0: that. Yeah.
1: Um, Sometimes you just have to cut it loose. And that really, again, it's just like the last couple chapters, they were so unneeded. Like, do I need to know that Vosh was, was here? No. I don't need to know anything more about Vosh. You no know, Oh, but you know, she was in Picard's holiday too. You know, you don't remember her, man. She was with the cute Yes, I know who she is. I know exactly what she is and what she's been doing. I don't need to hear her in this book. Right. Oh, you know, but you know, don't I you know, don't you remember the the apple getting transported, it was totally Yes, I know, it was totally her and I don't care about it. I don't care that she's off collecting stuff with the Nosican. I don't care. Um it just seemed like, uh, again, it's like another layer on that overly rich cake. Yeah. And then just, again, seeing Fajo sort of getting his out again, uh, you know, it, it just, it was like, ah, eh, I don't need this. That's the only thing. I just don't need it.
0: Yeah. yeah. Sure.
1: But he was, he was a good, he was a good, uh, he was a good antagonist. For sure. Because because he, he's, he's always, he's one of those guys like, who is is he going to do better? ah <gasps> Is he gonna do better? Oh no, he's gonna kill people. We should have seen this coming.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, do you have anything else that you wanted to um, talk about to cover before we move into a little rating of this book?
1: Uh, I mean, we, we we didn't really talk about a lot of the art stuff, but. You know, what was her name LaSalle and her her father the the valtese so that ties mm-hmm. into another episode of next gen where it, uh, to to borrow to borrow a a narr- a narrative um exposition from this book the Picard episode in which Picard seduces uh, a metamorph and then she will only be his forever but will totally go with the valtese guy uh
0: the perfect mate i believe right
1: yeah uh, yeah you, you you probably know better than me but, but um I, I mean i thought that whole storyline was pretty cool but but one last little thing about rios and his personality so this was a he was a commander like a was he a full three pip commander
0: yes i believe okay. he was yeah
1: so the three pip commander he's first officer aboard the whatever the ship was called he was on. I would never remember that ship's name. I don't care either.
0: Um, Ibn Majid.
1: I, I told you I didn't care. <laughs> but yes, you're right. <laughs> Just kidding. So he's obviously should be pretty, pretty crack officer. Know what he's doing. Um, but he forgets a lot of stuff in here. Like the stamp that's in his pocket, which leads to the woman that he slept with to hate him and the guard who used to serve under him to want to you know murder him which leads to stealing all the books and doing bad things and dropping dung on people you know it's like i i know you I, i know you're trying to be the lover here but perhaps you should like actually think through some stuff and that kind of happened a few times in the in the book. I don't know if you really latched onto that as much as I did, but it's like there are a couple times when it's just like, oh yeah, I just didn't get around to it. It's like, but why though? Right. Why?
0: Right. I guess I, I guess I glossed over that because it, it wasn't as um I don't know, it just didn't didn't stand out to me as much. I guess.
1: Sure, I get it. It, it was just one of those character things that I thought was interesting. So. But no, I mean, really, aside from that, I, I think uh, I think that's about it. Without you know spoiling everything dreadfully.
0: Sure, I mean, I mean, there's a lot more, right, in a seventy-one chapter, four hundred and four page book to uh, to uncover. So there you go. Um, all right. Well, let's let's go ahead and rate this thing. Um, so out of five stars, right? I think that's what we do with books. Mm-hmm. Sounds right. Um, so. Five being phenomenal, amazing. One being absolute garbage, drivel, type of stuff.
1: Want me to go first?
0: Um. Yeah. Go ahead.
1: Okay. Uh, let's see. There, there was a lot of this that I that I did enjoy. Uh, I'm not gonna. I, I don't want to beat it down too much. But there was enough that kind of just, um, I suppose more annoyed me to drop it down a bit. I, I'm I'm gonna go with a four point two. Um, Rios' stuff was very interesting, but again, to include my large, multi-layer German chocolate cake of oversweetness, <laughs> it was just it was just too much. It just yeah. it had too much in it. They tried to stuff too much in it. My favorite parts were very small, you know, like. A Klingon hologram of Kalis saying a crazy quote that just (laughs) made sense Sure. or you know Rios is just agua-dienteing himself to death you know I I don't know like there was some good character stuff and and even Ledger the biggest thing about like well it didn't even really say it but like even like uh, the the Iotians realizing that they actually tampered with their own book which tampered with their entire society to abe- uh, basically be less oppressive to women. And, and even like Ledger's discovery of another book of, you know, cr- was it crime syndicates of New York or whatever?
0: Yeah. Like the sequel basically.
1: Yeah. And her realizing how bad it could have been for her and right. other women and so forth. So I, I, I you know, I liked Ledger. I like Rios. I like Rafi's portrayal in here. I, I, you know, they were just, Elements that were just too much. That's all. But it was it was a decent read. I would probably recommend reading the book instead of doing the audiobook. Okay. Unless you want to sit for a while.
0: <laughs> sure. Alright, so you said a four point two. Four point two, yeah. Okay. So for me, um, I wasn't underwhelmed and I wasn't overwhelmed with this book. I was just whelmed. And, uh, the beginning, so the beginning of the book was pretty good, but it moved at a snail's pace, I think the back half of the book was like at, you know, warp 7.5 or something like that. It was moving pretty quick. Um, so the pacing I felt like in this book where was like just all over the place. Sometimes it was like right on the money. Other times, not so much. Um, it was, it just came off as very uneven. Some of the stuff was just very, um, just like fan servicey, gratuitous and st- at times, which I'm okay with some fan service, um, every now and again, cause why not? I mean, it's Star Trek for crying out loud. You want some fan service from time to time, but, um, this, I mean, this was just like a, in general, this was a, um, I, it was a mostly fun story, I would say, um, but it's I don't know if this is a story that I want to like go back and read like annually like I might with like some other books for example Um, so for me like this is like hanging out right around like a high 3 a low 4 type of thing so like like a 3.9 a 4.0 out of 5 kind of thing is kind of like where I'm sitting with this um, I feel like there are there are areas that could have been tightened up. I feel like there were other areas that could have been loosened up um, and allowed for more like breathing room. But in general, this was this is a fun story. This is like um like just a like a popcorn, just kind of popcorn like flick of sorts. Um, so I mean, for me, it, it was pretty decent. It's um, uh, Dark Vale is still my absolute favorite from the Picard series and I think this one is more or less tied with, um, with Last Best Hope, the first book in this series. So that's that's where I'm at. Like I'd say just a, a four um, out of five for me. So anyway, well, before we go, I want to talk about a Twitter poll um, since I got you here, dude. And I don't know if you voted on it or not um, or if you've seen the results at all. But I, um, I put together a poll on the Twitter, and um, I had it out for uh, several days. And the question was, which, star, which hashtag Star Trek Lower Decks, Lower Decker, will be the first to get, permanent, get the permanent promotion to Lieutenant Junior Grade? And the options were Boimler, Mariner, Rutherford, or Tendi. There were 350 votes on this poll so i don't know what i'm doing like with the polls to get that like i wish i could get like the response on like my tweets that i could on my polls but (laughs) yeah (laughs) i mean good grief man so i got um so yeah 350 votes um i know you're i know you follow me on twitter so you can probably see the results but um who do you think came in first between boimler mariner rutherford and tendy
1: Boy, say them again: Boimler, Rutherford, Mariner, and Tendy. So basically, the, the core four.
0: Yeah, the core of the core okay, gotcha. four. Which one okay, will get gotcha. the fir, Will be the first to get the permanent first permanent promotion to Lieutenant JG.
1: You know, I've seen. Uh, I, I do remember you bringing up this topic during the when we recorded uh, that that lower decks episode. So I knew this was coming. I don't remember if I saw it. I do know that I've seen some of the responses, like comments to some of the other polls concerning lower deck characters, mm-hmm. um, and at least from what I've seen, I don't think Rutherford and Tendy get enough love. No, probably from, not from the Twitter. To be honest with you, I have to say I'm just going strictly based upon what I've seen, and I, I would probably think that Mariner would be the Twitter's the Twitter's answer.
0: Okay. So let's go through some of the comments before we get to the actual uh, vote breakdown. Okay. So, um, we have, um, uh, I can't pronounce your display name, but at Spence, the ghost commented, um, Tendi is bridge crew now. So probably lovely Tendi. Um, so, um, let's see, this other person put, um, at K M M uh, commented, Come on, I know Tendi is the obvious choice, but Lower Decks never goes for the obvious choice. Or do they? It's because the obvious choice is hilarious. Um, let's see. Um, what is your name? At Trekkie Chadwick commented, They all share one thing in common. They all share one thing in common. They all freak out too much. Okay, more things in common. They are all intelligent and adept at jobs. I feel Tendi shows the most promise. Um, Dang,
1: I misread them. Um, I
0: don't know the Twitter. <laughs> and then someone else put, it's either Rutherford or Tendy. That was at Josh Ernst too. Um, a lot of people are voting tendy, which is, wow. is kind of cool. So here we go. So here's the, the vote breakdown. Um, in last place, with six point three percent of the vote, we have Mariner.
1: <laughs> I don't know anything about Twitter. <laughs> I'm just going based upon like some of the other th- polls that I've seen. That's this is interesting.
0: Sure. All right. In um, in third place, with sixteen point nine percent of the vote, we have Rutherford. My boy Rutherford is in third okay, place. Okay. And by me stating who second place is, you're obviously going to know who first is. (laughs) But with 23.4% of the vote, we have Boimler. Okay. okay. And uh, first place, um, the person with the lower decker, most likely to be the first to get the permanent promotion to Lieutenant JG with 53.4% of the vote, Tendi.
1: Uh, That's who I would have picked, personally. Yeah. Very cool.
0: Yeah. Yeah, this, um, there were a lot of likes. There were multiple retweets, a lot of comments, and a lot of um, replies by me with a bunch of GIFs. So um, anyway, I'm, I'm trying to do more uh, Twitter polls to incorporate into the show. I mean, if, if you haven't noticed, David, that's what I'm trying to do, and hopefully yeah. our listeners are noticing as well. Um, but, yeah, what do you think the next poll should be? The power is yours. I'll make I something up. I'm not good at bowls. What's your favorite pie? What's your favorite seasonal pie? <laughs> See,
1: what's your favorite space pie in space? Mm-hmm.
0: What's your favorite space pie in space? Yes. Or your favorite pie to eat in space while yes, eating pie. Exactly. Gotcha.
1: What would William Shatner eat in space in pie form?
0: Good grief. Okay. <laughs> I think I think that's about it. um so the next book that we are going to be reading and covering um, on the show um, pretty soon will be uh, the, the first book in the Star Trek Coda series, Moments Asunder. And um, I've heard nothing but positive stuff about that, and we'll see what we think about that. Uh, but that'll be the first one, and then uh, by the time this episode drops, it's um, the second installment to that book will already be out. Uh, which is called uh, Ashes of Tomorrow, if I'm not uh, mistaken. So um, uh, looking forward to covering those. We, uh, and then the third book, Oblivion's Gate, comes out here in about a month. We have a Deep Space Nine book coming out end of December. And I have it on good authority that there's going to be a Rafi Musiker book uh, in the Star Trek Picard series that's going to be coming out in May, uh, April, May-ish, I believe, as it stands right now. I think it's called second chances. So we'll, we'll see about that. Um, so we have plenty of books to keep us busy for a while. And, um, anyways, I hope you, I hope you, you're all enjoying these, these book reviews. I, I enjoy reading them. I enjoy talking about them with David as, as much as his schedule allows. And, um, we'll keep doing them as long as we can afford to do it, I guess. (laughs) So any, any final thoughts from you, David, before we get out of here?
1: No, I'm good. But yeah, I I, uh, I do enjoy the uh, the book reviews as well. I've always been literary myself. I'm a I am a uh, intense literary scholar. <laughs> but no, I I, mm-hmm. I just like uh, I like the stories. And uh, a lot of the Star Trek stories lately have been uh, pretty good. In yeah, book for form. sure. So definitely happy to continue to do it.
0: Sweet. And we might have to uh, go back in the past a little bit once um, early 22 comes around because um, I'm not I haven't seen too far ahead about like what other new books are going coming out but um hopefully we'll be able to talk um talk out yeah talk out um also work out um imzadi 2s in our in our lineup here pretty soon um as a follow-up yeah. to that first imzadi book that we did so anyway all right everyone well hopefully you all enjoyed um our book review um uh, if you've read it what did you think about about rogue elements. Did you like it? Did you love it? Do you want some more of it? Have you had enough? Do you need pie whenever you read this thing? I mean, let us know. Um, let us know your thoughts And all I'll, seriousness though. Conversation doesn't end um, here with the listening of this episode, dear listener. Uh, we would love to hear your thoughts and opinions about this. Uh, to do so, you can um, uh, get in contact with us and share your opinion on our website, trtvpod.com under our Hailing Frequencies uh, portion of our page. Um, from there, if you also want to share a show idea or just a general comment about how we're doing, we'd love that. Uh, it's just a direct link to our to our inbox um, so that we can check it out and hear what hear how we're doing, hear what you think of, of the of the show and the stuff that we're covering. Um, other than that, if you do prefer just to send us an email directly, uh, trtvpod at gmail.com. You can also send us a voice-only transmission to 817-752-4757. Remember, there's a three-minute limit. And your comments may be used on a future episode. Now, finally, if you do want to mail us something like a little puzzle box, um, a hologram of General Chang, you can do that. Make sure it gets to the Lone Star Station P.O. Box 2455 Azel, Texas 76098. Everyone, thank you so much for tuning in and having our voices in your ears. And as we leave here today, may you always remember to boldly go and make it so.